there's one group of people that may be the most important group to discover the value and benefits of natural movement and barefoot inspired shoes. Who are they? We're going to find out and have a conversation about that on today's episode of the movement movement, the podcast for people who want to know the truth about what it takes to have a happy, healthy, strong body, starting feet first, you know, those things that are your foundation, the things at the end of your legs. And we break down the propaganda, the mythology, sometimes the flat out lies you've been told about what it takes to run or walk or hike or play or do yoga, whatever it is you like to do. And to do that enjoyably and effectively and efficiently and, I think I said enjoyably. I know I did because it was a trick question. Actually, I didn't even ask a question. But anyway, it was a fake out. That's what I was going to say. Anyway, I'm Stephen Sashin, co-founder, co-CEO of ZeroShoes.com, host of the Movement Movement Podcast, which we call it that. Man, I can't do English sentences today. Anyway, we call it the Movement Movement Podcast because we're creating a movement and that involves you, more about that in a second, about natural movement, how to let your body just do what it's made to do without getting in the way. And uh, the movement part is your help. Spread the word. It's really easy. You can start by going to www.jointhemovementmovement.com. Nothing you need to do to join. No secret handshake. No money involved. No song you need to sing every morning when you get out of bed. Just that's where we have all the previous episodes, all the links to places you can find us on social media, all the ways you can share and spread the word. Like give us a review. Give us a thumbs up. Hit the bell icon on YouTube. Um, whatever. you know. Look, you know the drill. If you want to be part of the tribe, just subscribe. So let's have some fun. Emily, do me a favor. Tell people who you are and what you do and then maybe what you're doing here. Okay. So my name is Emily Jancic. I um, am from Brooklyn, New York, and I am making children's shoes because when my son was born, his socks were falling off. They don't leave shoes on and the shoes that are there hurt their feet and make them fall. So I sort of started tinkering around to make something that would stay on, but be soft like a sock and durable like a shoe. So... So you just gave away the punchline right away. We have nothing to say after that. So the punchline, of course, oh. <laughs> totally teasing. It's just the value of getting kids into or keeping, well, either getting kids who've been in, quote, regular shoes out of those and into something that's more natural or keeping them in something more natural to begin with. And you're starting at the very small end. I mean, you're dealing with like, you know, you're starting with like the smallest humans when they're going to be starting to use their feet for getting them into something that's going to let them be natural. How did you decide to do, other than your, was there anything more than just the experience with your son that made you think, hey, this is a good idea? Yeah, you know what? Actually, there was one week when I was in the park with my son. And um, in the same week, I had to help two different mom friends search around the park for lost toddler shoes. And, uh, and I had been having the same issues myself because they don't leave them on. They're irritating to them. And uh, they were falling down. You know, I, I had experienced that. So, yeah, I started playing around after that. Yeah. And, you know, when Lane and I started Zero Shoes, the joke that we have is we had this idea and then we uttered the five dangerous entrepreneurial words. How hard could this be? So <laughs> what, uh, yeah. how, how do you relate to that? And what made you decide to take the leap into doing this as an actual business, which, as you know, I could not recommend less. <laughs> <laughs> I... Um... I guess I just started tinkering. I started I started cutting up his socks and I added little snaps on them, making them look a little more like a shoe, but that it was easier to slip his foot on and different ideas like that. And, um, you know, before I knew it, I was hunting around for factories, this, finding someone that would just help me make a prototype and kind of one thing led to another. <laughs> and here, yeah. and here, and so by three the way, years ago, I started. 
Oh my gosh. And I'm being glib when I say, you know, it's the, I would not recommend it simply because starting any business, running any business is just way harder than we ever imagined. Absolutely. It reminds me of, did you ever see the um, Chevy Chase Christmas movie where he's makes these beautiful lights for, for Christmas time. And then uh, he thinks it's going to be wonderful. And then, you know, like a bulb is out and the outlet's sparking and, and here and there it'll be on and be beautiful. And then it's like, <laughs> it's always something. <laughs> we, early on, we had friends who would say to us, oh, you have your own business. That must be really fun. And we'd say, yeah, you've never done this before, have you? <laughs> you know, there's things that are yeah. immensely satisfying, but um, immensely satisfying. But uh, the fun part, you know, that comes and goes. There's mostly a lot of work. Yeah, and, absolutely. And, and so had you, I mean, in terms of the, the sort of barefoot barefootness, is that a word? All right, let's use that. The barefootness of things. <laughs> um, had you done, had any previous experience with this? Did you have, did you start doing any research about this? Are you hip to what's been going on about any of this? Or was it literally just like, let's make something that stays on my kid's foot and doesn't let him, you know, fall on his face because they're slippery. I mean, you're a lot more hip to a lot of the things than I am, but definitely, I, I think it was just a mother's instinct. I realized that putting a big, you know, shrunken down adult sneaker on his little mushy feet um, just didn't make sense, you yeah. know? <laughs> and so, so I knew that much. And then now, now I've learned so much more, you know, I mean, their feet are basically cartilage. They don't even really have strong bones. So to put them on like a little inch of foam is, you know, they're like teetering around like, a, like they're on stilts, you know? So I don't know if I told you this, um, when we talked before, but Dr. Irene Davis, who was, is, uh, one of the top researchers in the world about minimalist footwear and natural movement. She's now the president of the American College of Sports Medicine. And she said to me, if we just got kids wearing minimalist shoes in 20 years, we wouldn't be treating adults for the billions of dollars of foot, ankle, hip, knee, back problems they currently have. So, wow. How about that? Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, as I've read that the bones don't even completely harden and solidify until like the age of 18 to 22, late teens. you know, there's still stuff happening, fusions happening and things like that to, to become the 26 bones. Yeah. That we have as adults. Yeah. I mean, most people don't think you become, you know, fully adult till you're done with med school. So that's a whole <laughs> Um, at least that's the way it was in my family. And I apparently never became an adult because I decided not to go to med school. So <laughs> that's the way I got around that problem. Uh, and, and so you started this three years ago. You know, what was it like? It's fun for me talking to people who have uh, started this. I actually annoyingly didn't. Well, let me rephrase that. I did an interview with uh, my friend Golden Harper, who founded Ultra. And uh, I, the annoying part was not talking to him. The annoying part was as soon as I hit save on the uh, for the recording, something crashed and we didn't get the recording and we have not been able to do it. But it's fun to talk to people who are in the biz, A, because everyone's got a slightly different perspective, which is interesting, but also, frankly, we had to commiserate about what it was like. So what were those early days like? Like, what did you expect when you decide when you decided to build out, build a website and what actually happened? Hmm. You know, I guess for me, the, the one of the biggest issues was getting the product right or close to right or, or getting closer and closer to right. I, um, you know, I thought it would be a great idea to have kind of toggles on the shoes and um, and they were great and they were wonderful. But a couple of times they fell off and, you know, it's just too close to a baby. Babies grab things and stuff like that. And it, and it is, you know, past all the small parts, things and everything. But, you know, it's just nerve wracking to think of the things that could go wrong, I guess. Um, 
yeah, so, so, you know, I've learned a lot along the way, things I didn't think I would have to learn and definitely ordering new inventory before it's all gone. And, you know, so many things, so many things to learn. Yeah. And when you launched the website, what did you do to let people know that you existed? I, um, we were really active on Instagram and that kind of seems to be where our crowd was. Uh, so that's kind of took off and we had a lot of, um, you know, then moms would post pictures of their babies and it was all just kind of a big connection and, and, uh, you know, a lot of community there. That's what happened for us. Yeah. How about you? Uh, when I started, it was in 2009 and the barefoot movement was just kind of kicking in. So frankly, there was only one place that people were really gathering and that was a Google group. And so I jumped in on there and just contributed whatever content I could think of that was meaningful. I, uh, once I made a couple pairs of sandals, I had made videos of how I did that and I shared those. Um, so essentially, it's a friend of mine's line. If you're trying to make money, it's easy. Figure out where the money is flowing and get in the way. Or another way of saying that in this context is find out where the conversations are happening and get involved in the conversation. And by getting involved, I mean, don't just try to sell things, try to offer something of value. And that's how, so, yes. um, and in those early days, I just made a bunch of videos and was syndicating them. There were at that time about 40 different video platforms and I was on all of them. And that was the, wow. that was kind of the very, very heady time when it comes to search engine optimization for any keyword that I cared about within a couple of months, I had at least 40 of the top 50 results. If you search for things like barefoot shoes. And that wow. dramatically in the 14 years since, but, um, but that was, that was the gist of it is um, frankly, we were running a search engine marketing business, my wife and I. And so I said, when I built the website, I said, this will just be a case study where I can show that, you know, I can dominate this category in a few months. And I was wrong. It only took me a few weeks, but, um, wow. but th those were, again, it was a very different time, but the biggest thing, frankly, was just those videos and just putting out content. Like I basically gave people the ability to rip off my entire business model. And a number of people did. Mm -hmm. I was fine with it. I mean, I was fine with the fact that they were doing it because I wanted the awareness to grow. I, I'm here to help people and change their lives, not to you know become the next fill in the blank. But what was annoying uh, is the number of people who would say, I was looking for something uh, that I couldn't find. So then I had to do it myself. And then the, they, what they did is an exact copy of what I did. So, you know, if you <laughs> rip me off, just say you're ripping me off. I mean, I don't, it's not a problem. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's funny. So, and then in those first, in that first, whatever period of time that you can think of in terms of delineating time, how did things grow? What was your experience of that? And what were people, you know, reporting back when they were getting the product? I think things grew a lot actually from word of mouth. So we would notice that like, you know, we would be shipping to one area and then we would kind of consistently ship to that area. And it would be because moms talk and they're together and they, they recommend things to friends if it's working. And so, so that most of it has been word of mouth. I mean, you know, and that's, that's just the best thing, but um, I'm sorry, there was a second part to your question. I'm not the sure. The second part is, you know, I mean, what, what were you hearing and what was it like getting that feedback? Oh, well, you know, we had one customer say one thing that's like my favorite thing. She called us the gateway shoe, which I loved because it's like, I like to not be a, a shoe. I don't, you know, I don't think kids are ready for that, you know, two and under and three. Um, but I love that the gateway shoe to be kind of something a little bit to wear outside and around, but, you know, not heavy or clunky. And pardon me one sec, people were trying to call me and I'm turning off my phone. Um, Egan, where else? So you started three years ago. How do things feel? Again, 
now compared to what you thought, and I'll, I'll give you the teaser on my end. Lane and I thought that by the three-year mark, somebody would have bought us out for some large amount of money. Um, that has not happened. <laughs> so, so what were you expecting? Yes. Um, you, yeah. How are things comparing to your expectations? I mean, I, I definitely expected things to move a lot faster. You know, I was, you know, you're so optimistic and you think that things are going great and things are going great, but things take a lot longer than you expect. You know, I thought it would be just easy to be, um, doing a lot of retail and things like that. And we are, we're at Macy's and stuff like that. But I have learned that some of these things that you, you think are going to be like a great opening, maybe maybe sometimes keeping them simpler and just being on the website and Amazon and things like that has been more like just easier to get to the customers and not have anyone between us. And it's just a lot less complicated sometimes, you know. And backing up to manufacturing. So how did you find someone to make things and what was that like? And and again, what has that whole experience been like? I'm more than happy to share war stories. Okay. I um, Well, I really wanted to be made in the U.S. and I really thought that would be great. I love that. But um, I had worked with some factories in LA and it, with the prices that they were able to do, well, it, first of all, they're, they're a lot more selective. And so it was difficult to get them to work with me when just starting out. And so, but by the time I did, it was, um, you know, the prices that they would need to charge were a lot more than would have, would have worked out for the price point. So I did eventually use a manufacturer in China, but I, that took a while too, because I only certain factories do the, the fly knit and then certain factories do children's shoes. So I had to get two different factories to work together and uh, it took a while, but now we've been very happy with one of the, one of the premier children's shoe factories in China. Did you go over there? And they're great. They do. Did you go? I never went over there. No. And so what, uh, which town are you guys, are the factories in? Just I'll tell you stories about them. Shenzhen. Got it. So are they Shenzhen or are they just outside in the Dongguan region? This is getting really in the weeds for people listening, but you know, what the hell? (laughs) The address is in Shenzhen. Yeah. Good enough. When I, the first time I, the first time I went to China as a tourist, it was 1989 and Shenzhen was a farm. There was nothing there. It was, I mean, really? Yeah, it was not a thing. And I, I, I got out there and I think I was like the first white person that most of the people that I bumped into had ever seen. It was very entertaining. Now, a whole different story. And I tell people, <laughs> you know, the thing I say about manufacturing in Asia in particular, um, some people think that it's just a question of price, which sometimes it is. But, you know, what I say with the stuff that we're making, we literally can't make things domestically. And, uh, and then I like to be uh, mildly annoying and say to people um, in the same, you know, especially when people are complaining that we have to get out of China or, or make things in America. I go, um, yeah, it's literally not possible in the same way that it's literally not possible to have this conversation on a device that is made in America. So, but you know, <laughs> you're not throwing your computer away and yelling about that. And um, uh, it, it's, it's just tricky. And now the part that's, that people can't wrap their brain around one of the towns with one of our factories is not too far from yours. And I've been going there for now 10 years. And 10 years ago, it was kind of a dump. I mean, there just wasn't much going on. Although uh, there was one thing going on that was wonderful then and even better now that I'll mention in a sec. But 10 years later, this is a thriving middle-class town that I would love to live in, ignoring Chinese government and politics and all the rest. Just the town itself and the people, mm-hmm. amazing, wonderful place and utterly delightful. And one thing that has been delightful 
since day one and continues to be is the food. And there's two parts to that. My favorite uh, Chinese restaurant in the town that we were in is not a restaurant. It's just a, there's an area where every night it's a night market. And there's one guy out there who had like two big cauldrons of broth and then 50 different things you could do with that and a couple of walks. <laughs> and I am starting to point at the things that I want. And he quickly just kind of waves me away and realizes that I was pointing at all the vegetable stuff and you know nothing with meat. And he just shoes me aside and then shows up five minutes later with this giant plate of the most incredible Chinese food I've ever had. And it was 75 cents. So, um, and barely more expensive now than it was then. So that was uh, utterly delightful. But the, the really fun part, there was a bunch of people who were making footwear in that area uh, way back when, who they realized there was no really good food in the neighborhood. And a bunch of these people were Italian. So they decided to get out of the footwear business and go into the restaurant business. And they opened up an Italian restaurant, a bunch of Italian restaurants. And some of the best Italian food I've ever had and best pizza I've ever had is in this weird little part of China. And one of my favorite parts is the the um, waitresses, they speak English with a Chinese Italian accent, which as much as I would love to be politically incorrect and imitate it. I just can't, but it is utterly, totally one of a kind. Anyway, so right now, is it just you? Me and a couple freelancers, yes. Gotcha. That's how it's going. Oh, those were the days. Um, uh, you know, what you've done, I, th- I mean, I really, I really um, appreciate because we lived through it. It's like a lot of people, they way overcommit on day one and are not even confident that they have. Well, let me take it back. Every entrepreneur is confident that what they have is a brilliant idea. Um, and many don't figure out whether it is or not until it's much too late. And meaning that it's typically not. Um, so it sounds like, you know, other than having to deal with product things and get things made, uh, you've done a fine job of being organic about this and not overcommitting, which frankly, that is the number one cause of failure. It's just like you, you think it's going to be way bigger than it is, and then you're not prepared when it's growing differently than what you expect. Yeah, spread yourself too thin. Yeah. What, what were you doing before this? I um, so I'm a New Yorker, so I was working at L'Oreal. I was um, working as a copywriter. Started as a proofreader, and then got promoted a couple times to be a senior copywriter. So I love marketing, advertising, fashion. All of that. Yeah. So it it sounds like a bit of a perfect storm in terms of all of your history working for what you're doing now. Yes, absolutely. I'm having so much fun. I I love to yeah, think of styles and colors and definitely that's the fun part of it. Yeah. Yeah. What's I mean, I know this is a crazy question to ask because you're still really getting started, but I'll ask it anyway. What do you uh, well, there's it's two ways of asking it. One is kind of what's next. The other is what do you imagine? What do you want? Based on, you know, or let me let me do this in a totally different way. Based on what you know now, how does what you want for the future differ from what you thought on day one when you didn't have the information and experience you have now? Well, I think I imagined that I would just roll out all these styles and colors and sizes and it would just, you know, but I'm realizing now that um, I think it makes more sense to zero in on, you know, even just a minimum amount of colors and maybe just two styles 
and uh, just let it go from there. And then, you know, eventually more colors and definitely more sizes because as, as the kids grow out of our shoes, we get emails, you know, and the moms need a bigger size or, you know, they, they want to stick with something minimal on the children's feet. And, you know, and then actually we've gotten a lot of emails from people with uh, children's with disabilities, children that, um, you know, are in maybe in a wheelchair or different things like that. And they need some kind of really flexible, comfortable thing on their feet. So I would really like to do larger sizes. That's on my mind. Yeah. Yeah. It's managing inventory is by far the most challenging thing. And what I can tell you is that, um, uh, if you're looking for investment capital, finding people who understand uh, and are okay with the idea of an inventory heavy business is a challenge. Really? Just, okay. just FYI. <laughs> Thanks for the tip. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, and backing up to just the whole, you know, phenomenon, like for me, what I knew going in on day one was a little bit about the whole value of natural movement, but obviously what I've learned over the last almost 14 years, whole different story. How do you, what's your evolution in that? world or that aspect of this world like? So, you know, my knowledge about the um, natural movement has evolved because, um, yeah, like I said, I've, I've learned more about it just from talking to people, but I was wondering if you heard this, that the, the mothers in Ethiopia don't put children's shoes on the children's feet until the age of five. And a researcher attributed, you know, this to the, the reason why they have so many fast runners and Olympic athletes. Do you know that? I didn't hear about the um, mothers not putting kid, uh, kids in shoes till they were five, but um, I definitely know of athletes who grew up running, playing soccer, playing baseball, playing basketball, playing whatever, barefoot. And then they come to America and they're super strong and then they get put in big, thick shoes. And the next thing you know, they're having foot and ankle and knee problems. So I've seen the other, <laughs> end, seen the other end of that quite a bit, um, but it, mm-hmm. it surprised me. I mean, I, I joke that if you want to, understand i mean the real value is about strong feet and responsive feet and if you want to find people who have strong responsive feet go somewhere where they probably don't have indoor plumbing and they will also they also probably won't have podiatrists um because they're going to be Mm -hmm. having problems with their feet and that seems to be borne out by the research as well yes and um Another thing that it just came to my mind is that when children have a shoe on, they have to look down to, because they can't feel what's underneath them as you do with bare feet, you know, and your, your body is just sort of picking up those signals without you looking down. But, you know, when a child has a shoe on, especially a small child, but they have to sort of sense with their eyes what's underneath them and around them and look straight down and it makes them fall. You know? um, so it slows down the whole process of learning to walk. There was down. a study I read way back when um, about students in a Japanese preschool where the gist of it was the ones who were barefoot developed uh, more quickly socially than the ones who were in shoes. And the theory was that they had to be more attentive to what they were doing, where they were walking, what they were stepping on, stepping in and to each other than kids who were just, you know, like couldn't feel anything in a way they went. And I thought that was very interesting. I don't know that it's been replicated. It doesn't sound like a surprising result. Right. Yeah. Seems natural. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, I hate to do this, but since we've been having just like a boat ton of connectivity problems, I want to bring this into uh, a nice soft landing um, and we can have another conversation another time. But in okay. the, do me a favor, tell people, you know, how they can discover what you're doing for them. I was going to say for themselves, but if it was for, for themselves, they'd be really precocious because they'd be two year olds who know how to get online and order things. Um, but so, <laughs> 
for, for yeah. their, their family, for their children or grandchildren or great grandchildren, or however, uh, if you're living somewhere where all of your, everyone in your family has kids by the time they're 15, great, 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 great grandchildren. How can they find you, Emily? That's where I was going. Okay. The website is heartsbooties.com, H-A-R-T-S-B-O-O-T-E-E-S.com. And I made a discount code called movement with just capital capital word movement well i'd say that's perfect at least you made it through uh hearts booties h-a-r-t-s-b-o-o-t-e-e-s.com movement will be your, the discount code people can use and thank you for doing that and of course on social media where do they find you there ah the hell with it go to your go to your website you'll find tiktok instagram <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, this this is this is one of those things. I mean, we've all lived through these. So, I mean, who knows why? Don't have a, I don't care. But um, but anyway, uh, thank you for everyone who's put up with our technical whatevers. Um, I hope you should get the the, the most important thing, which is, you know, it, it's a real thing to be getting kids, letting them stay natural as long as humanly possible is the bottom line. And we're doing things to help with that as well. But I'm thrilled that you've come from the very far other end, if you will, to give kids for just getting started mm-hmm. walking something to give them that natural experience with the protection and comfort that they need. Also, it's, you know, couldn't be more important. And so for everyone else, just a reminder, go to www.jointhemovementmovement.com to find all our previous episodes, how you can find us on social media, uh, how you can leave a review and give us a thumbs up and, uh, and a like and a hit the bell icon on YouTube, you know, the drill. And more importantly, um, if you have any questions, suggestions, recommendations, people you think should be on the show, or if you or someone you know wants to tell me that they that you think I have a case of cranial rectal reorientation syndrome, I'm cool with that as well. Uh, and in fact, it's one of my one of the things that I've been trying to do for years is to get somebody on the podcast who vehemently disagrees with me and have a conversation. I have not had the luxury of somebody uh, being willing to take me up on that offer, and I've made it quite a number of times. <laughs> but anyway, if you know someone, you know, pass it on. So move. M-O-V-E at jointhemovementmovement.com is my email address. Happy to hear from you. But most importantly, go out, have fun, and live life feet first.